All living creatures and all plants are a benefit to something. Certain animals fulfill their purpose by definite acts. The crows, buzzards, and flies are somewhat similar in their use, and even the snakes have a purpose in being. From Okute, Teton Sioux, 1911. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rob McCall. This is the Avenajo Almanac, a collection of natural and unnatural events, rank opinion, and wild speculation devoted to feeling at home in nature and breaking down the wall of hostility between us and the rest of creation. And this is the Almanac for July 11th, I mean, no, July 19th to 26th, 2013. And we're coming up on the full buck moon. So here natural events for this quarter moon. Uh, the heliotrope, as it's called around here, is it's going by along the mid-coast, but it's still in bloom way down east. Six-foot-tall fluted stems, tinted red at the nodes, pinnate leaves, and clusters of aromatic, and I mean aromatic, white flowers with a tinge of purple to the bloom, small blooms. We say goodbye to another of the sweet presentations of summer as this plant goes by. Botanists agree that this is not a heliotrope at all, but it's valerian, valeriana officinalis, from which the highly effective herbal concoction valerian root is drawn. Its pharmaceutical approximation is Valium, a widely used muscle relaxant and antidepressant. Well, with no knowledge of either the herbal or the pharmaceutical applications of this lovely, stately plant, it seems to your commentator that the sinfully rich aroma alone confers an intoxicating sense of joy and well-being to the point that I begin to feel a little bit guilty walking near a stand of this plant. I find myself stooping down surreptitiously and inhaling forcefully and then looking around to see if anyone has noticed. And soon I'm losing my train of thought, staring at the bright, beautiful sky and feeling the day's plans slipping away while I'm hypnotized by the voluptuous odor, the healing balm of summer. Perhaps to compensate for this pleasure, Mother Nature is presenting us with hordes of earwigs, Forficula auricularia, these flat red-brown nocturnal creatures, some nearly an inch long, with an elongated abdomen, appended with a pair of fierce crescent-shaped pinchers, look a little like a large ant designed by Salvador Dali in cooperation with Stephen King. When we move anything outdoors, the earwigs come pouring out in droves. I swore for many years that earwigs didn't bite or sting. Well, that conviction ended abruptly not long ago when one got under my clothing and gave me a couple of good pinches in hidden places. So, yes... They infest our houses and yards. Yes, they move very fast. Yes, they run like cockroaches. Yes, they pinch. They swarm in hordes. They leave dusty droppings and a foul odor. But they have also their holy purpose for being here and their essential job to do, even if we haven't the faintest idea what it is. 
And further, they're only with us for a brief two months. And most winsome of all, we have it on good report that unlike other non-social insects, and even some humans for that matter, earwigs, listen to this, care for their young. That's right. The female earwig guards the eggs and watches over them until they're hatched and they're big and nasty enough to fend for themselves. You just have to admire them for that. Here's a saltwater report. The eider ducklings are scurrying about under the watchful eye of their mothers. The male eiders now become absentee fathers by moving out to deeper water while the mothers and young stay closer to shore, feeding on mussels and diving to avoid the sweeping attacks of hungry eagles and ospreys. Young harbor seals out on the ledges are growing fast and turning from their infant blonde and spotted color, color, coloration to a darker brown. On the gravel shore at our camp on Cobbscook Bay, I found the forlorn cranium of an unfortunate infant seal with the soft folds of its brain molded on the inside of the skull where once the wisdom of the great waters was cradled. Finally, here's a seed pod for you to carry around with you this week. This one from the American naturalist John Muir. Nature's object in making animals and plants might possibly be, first of all, the happiness of each one of them, not the creation of all for the happiness of one. Why should man value himself as more than a small part of the one great unit of creation? And what creature of all that the Lord has taken the pains to make is not essential to the completeness of that unit, the cosmos? The universe would be incomplete without man, but it would also be incomplete without the smallest transmicroscopic creature that dwells beyond our conceitful eyes and knowledge. Well, that's the almanac for this quarter moon, but don't take it from me. Go out and see for yourself.